Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Welcome everybody to another episode of Dr. Matt and Dr. Mike's Medical Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Mike Todorovic. I'm joined by my co-host, Dr. Matthew Barton. How are you? Thank you, Mike. Um, today is... Not a welcome. Happy, <laughs> happy Friday. See, is everybody else just as uncomfortable as I am talking to Matt? Mm. It makes everything so bloody awkward. I hear you, sister. <laughs> so, uh, today we're talking about atherosclerosis. What a word. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, what it is. It's pathogenesis and pathophysiology, and also its risk factors, risk factors, Com- complications of yeah, and treatment, treatment management? slash management. Cool. Uh, it's pretty complex. Like the research is just piling in. I mean, if you you jump like on a, like an atheroma. It is. That's right. It's a big pile on, like a bunch of macrophages engulfed with cholesterol. There's so much to go through um, with this research. But it's interesting and is an important topic for us to talk about because it is one of the biggest killers. Well, on the it, is, it is, causes half the deaths of those in the Western world. Wow. Okay, so that's a fair few people then. That's a lot. All right, so we sh- probably should understand what atherosclerosis is because its disease progression does lead to a range of other diseases mm, which are huge. which causes those deaths, right? Yeah. Like coronary artery d- disease, peripheral vascular disease, stroke, yep. myocardial infarction, so a whole bunch of stuff. Yep. Where do you want to begin? Should we define what it is? Define it, yep. Okay, go for it. So atherosclerosis, well, actually, let's just define that term, which is, which is what you yeah. just said to do. Yeah. Ather, the athero part, um, Greek term, which means gruel. Gruel? Which I'm guessing is like porridge. Right. Why? Um, I think it's the appearance of it. 
In the blood vessel? Yeah, in the blood oh. vessel. So I, I guess post-mortem when these anatomists were looking at the body, they looked at blood vessels and they saw in the wall of the blood vessels this white-looking substance that looks like a, porridge. Bit, a bit like porridge. Okay. So that's the athero Athero part. part. Sclerosis we hear a number of times, you know. Like scarring? Scarring or hardening. Right. So, so porridge hardening. Yeah. Okay. So it's like, you know, when you have porridge yeah. and you leave it in the bowl. Oh, yeah. And it gets that little, that, that crusty layer over the yeah, top. And it's impossible to get off the bowl. So you could call that atherosclerosis. <laughs> if you want to. If I you like want that. To. I like that. If you want to be technical. All right. So, so that's, that's what it is. Yeah. Uh, it fits under a banner of arteriosclerosis. So arterial just means vessel, right? Yeah. Artery. Hardening of artery. Okay. And so there are different... Um, types of um, pathologies that fit under that banner, but atherosclerosis is one of them. One of them, and that's probably referring more to the larger elastic arteries, which would be like the aorta, the carotid, the iliac, which is going down into your legs. So the aorta, first one that comes out of the heart, the carotid is one of the first ones that jumps off the heart, uh, uh, jumps off the aorta, I should say. And then what was the other one you said? The iliacs. And where's that? That's going down into the... Yeah, it would come off the abdominal aorta. Yep. And then you'd have the common iliac and then the internal external. To go feed the everything the below the hips. Yeah, that's right. Okay. And then you have the, the medium-sized muscular uh, arteries. Arteries. Oh, okay. And that would be the coronaries, the renals, the popliteals. And so which ones are more commonly affected by atherosclerosis? All, all those, the one we just mentioned. Oh, okay. So the larger ones, which are more elastic because they're under high pressure, and the muscular yeah. ones, have, they would just have the the greatest amount of force in them. So, mm. my understanding is, when you've got blood pressure or force that's coming out of your left ventricle, that's the highest pressure it's going to be in your whole has to be ar- right? arterial system. Right? It's coming straight out of the pump. Yeah. So it's one hundred and twenty millimeters of mercury. Let's just say an average. Mm. So there's a lot of force in there. And so that's the force that this blood's putting on the walls of the mm. vessel. So, so you can think that when that left ventricle contracts and that blood comes out, it's putting 120 millimetres of mercury worth of pressure on the wall of the vessel mm. and, it's, and it's, therefore there needs to be some give in that vessel. Yeah. And so as the, the blood flies around the arch of the aorta, the, yeah. I guess a lot of the force gets then pushed onto the posterior aspect of the aorta which is now turning into the thoracic aorta yeah and then all the way down to the abdominal aorta right and so the pressure as this continuation of this pipe is placing the greatest amount of sheer stress on the back wall of the aorta yeah and that's where uh from my understanding that's where the likelihood of these this process atherosclerosis is likely to begin in, well, in that vessel in that vessel but then yes. when you go to Splitting vessels, mm. so where vessels bifurcate or break into two, that then becomes a problematic area because that's where it generates a lot of turbulence. So it's a bit like if you had a fast-running creek or river and it's got no impediments in it, but then if you put a whole lot of rocks in the middle of it, it smashes into the rocks and then causes turbulence. That's just what kind of happens in your yeah, carotids? Let, let me let me extend on that analogy because it's a good analogy. So if you think about a, a stream that doesn't have any rocks in it and it flows nice fast way. and straight, and if you look at the the edges of the banks, they're probably nice and smooth because the water flows through and the smooth banks facilitates 
that water moving through fast, quick, straight. And that in, in a blood vessel, we call that laminar flow, mm. right? But like you said, if something causes turbulence, so let's just say there's a bend in that river, as that water moves through, that laminar flow, that straight flow is changed and there's going to be areas that have high impact and areas that have low impact. And interestingly, it's these areas, like you said, that alters the sides of the banks. Some sides of the banks are going to be hit harder, some are going to be not hit as hard. And interestingly, the low shear areas, so the areas that are experiencing less force, are experiencing most turbulence, right? Right. And that's the area that reshapes the bank. That's the area that reshapes the Uh, corner point. I was always thinking, oh, it's the areas where the the water or the blood, I should say in this case, let's just stop the river analogy. The areas where the blood pressure is hitting really hard, that's going to be the area that causes the that's going to be the high atherosclerotic area, but it's not. It's the low shear areas because that's the area where the turbulence occurs. And and then it forms like this cobble street, cobblestone change in the blood vessel. And it's that change, anytime you change that blood vessel or the cells specifically called the endothelia, it's that change that alters the integrity and then can lead to the cascading effect of atherosclerosis. Okay. But before we jump onto that, uh, should we talk about the layers of the blood vessels? Well, I think you, you did that quickly. Okay, so uh, we're talking- So just in arteries. Yeah, so atherosclerosis is occurring in arteries, predominantly in the larger arteries, the ones that Matt spoke about earlier, like the aorta and the carotid, for example. Um, when you think about blood vessels, they've all got three layers, regardless of it being- uh, uh, an artery, an arterial, or a vein or venue. They've all, they've all got three layers. The tunica means layer. Tunica intima, so the intimate inner layer. The tunica media, the middle layer. And the tunica externa, also known as the adventitia. Here, the most important part to focus on is the intima. So if you're inside the blood vessel, the only thing that you'll be able to see is the blood vessel wall which is made up of epithelial cells, which is one of the four tissue types of the body. and when Specifically it's, endo, endothelium. That's right. So epithelia in a blood vessel is called endothelia. And that's what you'll see inside. And generally in a blood vessel like an artery, this should be nice and smooth to reduce the friction for that blood that's moving through so it can move as efficiently as possible through the vessel. So you've got the endothelia and then you've got a little bit of some connective tissue that's present as well and together this is basically the intima the the inner layer then you've got the media the middle layer which is made up in these big arteries and vessels of elastic tissue and muscle tissue and so it allows it to stretch and allows it to change diameter so slightly and then you get the ex- so that's smooth muscle that's smooth muscle that's the medial layer or mid media layer and then the external adventitia that's basically just connective tissue holds things into place keeps it basically intact so here for atherosclerosis the changes that happen happen at the intima which means whatever's in the blood vessel that's going to move through has to move through the endothelia and get into the intima so basically it's going to be sitting between the endothelial cells and the muscle cells slash elastic yep. tissue cells. Yep. So now we can move forward. And so basically that is the definition of what, of what atherosclerosis in a technical fashion is. It is an intimal lesion 
that is of a fibro fatty fatty uh, consistency. Okay. So it is consistent of a lot of fat or lipids and it's very fragile. Yeah. Okay. But it's in that intimate lining of the blood vessel. And we do have to be careful with saying fats slash lipids because fats can be a type of lipid, but lipids can also encompass cholesterol, which isn't a fat. Okay. So we've got to be careful with, with that terminology. So from now on, we'll just say lipids because it is lipids that we're predominantly focusing on here. All right. So, so like you said, any lipids that can infiltrate this area and f- can result in some sort of fibrosis or fibrotic, which is just basically connective tissue that sort of builds up, right? Fibrosis would be... Well, that's a fibrosis part. So that, yeah. that's, a, that's usually the capping that we will talk about. That All right, let's leave that part. Yeah. And then let's... So let's... Where are we starting? Uh, let's, let's start with the risk factors. So these are the factors that you may possess that increases the likelihood of you developing this process. Of atherosclerosis. Yeah. All right. And these can be categorized into two. They're modifiable or non-modifiable. So usually what that means is if it's modifiable, you could do something about to reduce these. Yep. Non-modifiable, you really got no chance. All right, chuck them at me. Okay, which one first? Modifiable. Okay, so these are the things that are usually within your lifestyle. Yep. Okay, so one of the biggest would be hypertension. Okay, high blood pressure, chronically elevated blood pressure. Yep, yep. And kind of goes to what we just spoke about before. The greater force in your blood vessels, the greater likelihood to cause injury to those endothelial cells. Yep. And you're more likely to then start a chronic inflammatory process off. Uh, I won't go much beyond that because mm. we're going to talk about the pathogenesis, which is a, kind of the pathophysiology of atherosclerosis. Which will involve... Yeah, which will be involved... And talking stuff. more yeah. about that, sh- that sheer force and the yeah. turbulence and changes. And But basically your point is that with hypertension... It just increases the likelihood of there being differences in shear force and turbulence and more stress within the system. Yep. yep. Okay. No, another big one is smoking, so to, tobacco smoking. Uh, All right. The, the inhaled chemicals could do a number of things. They, People still smoke nowadays? Uh, yep. Really? Still quite. It's all vape now, isn't it? Everyone's vaping. Vaping or ICOS. What? Yeah, What's that? Um, this is... <laughs> I'm reading this book actually at the moment. It's about um, – oh, who's that comedian in Australia? John Saffron. Yeah, yeah. He, oh, he you're reading it. that book? Yeah, at, yeah, 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 about the tobacco industry. Yeah, specifically Philip Morris. Right, and so, so you name-called. Great. <laughs> right, we'll beep that one out. <laughs> uh, I'm talking about the book. I'm talking about the book. Okay. Um, so – this company, this... So do we have to now finish every statement now with allegedly? <laughs> just to stop us from getting sued? I'm not sure. Um, so within this book, uh, he has done an investigation on Philip Morris. is a big t- tobacco company. And uh, they they have a, a new line called an ICOS. I'm not sure what it stands for. I don't know if it does. Anyway. Well, ICOS? Is it just... I-Q-O-S. Oh, I-Q-O-S. He... Um, he calls it I cough, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so basically it is, it's like an electronic cigarette, but um, what it does is it's pretty much the same as a cigarette, mm-hmm. but it, um, it doesn't combust. And so this is the, the way they get around it. They get around it's it. It's not an acronym. It doesn't stand for anything. Okay. All right. Yeah. Sorry, go on. So you know how when we talk about um, 
tobacco smoking, mm. we usually use the term smoking. Yeah. And the definition of smoke is something that has combusted. Right. Right? Yeah, yeah. So the way that this company has got around this issue is they'll, um, they'll superheat tobacco but not allow it to combust. Right. And so they can say this is the healthy option of smoking because it's not smoking. <laughs> but you're still inhaling the same chemicals? You're still inhaling um, whatever comes out of tobacco superheating but not to the point of burning it. Right. So is there any evidence that it's healthier? Uh, not that I've seen at this point in this book. Wow. But the, the way that this company is going is they're actually supporting vaping. Yeah. Because that then means it change, it shifts the kind of conversation to an alternative. Yeah. Whilst they push the eye cost in the background. It's a very smart marketing with the strategy. idea of then eventually getting rid of vaping and just that becomes the sole wow. focus. And does it look like a cigarette? I'm going to Google it. Um, yeah. That- oh, it looks like a cigarette pen. Oh, it's still. Oh, you just put an actual cigarette yeah. into this pen. It's got a heat stick. Right. Yeah. Right. Let's stop talking about this. So. Basically, you're saying that cigarette smoking, yes, in in the in traditional, the, in the traditional sense, sense, yep, um, uh, because we don't but don't want to get we, sued by but we, Philip Morris. Look, we spoke about this before in I think we did a smoking podcast, remember? And, yeah, we did vaping, and, yeah, smoking and vaping, right, right? That's right. Yeah, and when we spoke, when we spoke, not smoked, when we spoke about <laughs> the progression of how uh, tobacco smoke smoking has changed over the years, from yeah. just you know grabbing tobacco leaves. And then just put it into a, a roll and smoking it, or yes. a pipe or something. Yes. How it's changed over years, all, all the chemicals that've added to it, you know, local anaesthetics, burning agents, things that stop your liver breaking down the nicotine, mm. nicotine agonists, all these things like menthol to stop you coughing, like yeah. all these additional things that have gone into cigarettes over the time. Yeah. Um, I don't know what these thousand chemicals yeah. could be doing to your blood vessel wall. Well, obviously not uh, anything good because <laughs> it's one of the biggest risk yeah, factors. Yeah, one of the biggest risk factors. So smoking can do two things, uh, at least ca- categorically. One, having an injury effect to the endothelium, mm-hmm. but also it plays around with um, dysregulating your lipid profile in your blood. Yeah, and also uh, plays around with your uh, antioxidants and ox- yeah. oxidative stresses and so forth that stimulates phase two Antioxidant mechanisms. Excellent. I'm glad, glad you put that up. Anyway, so glad I said that. Um, okay, cool. So other... Uh, <laughs> Diabetes mellitus. Yeah. It's called xenobiotic metabolism, by the way, and it's mediated by the transcriptional regulator NRF2. Diabetes? What about diabetes? What you're just saying now? No. Okay. No, no, no. The last thought. Could be part of it. Okay. So diabetes mellitus also increases the likelihood of uh, atherosclerosis quite significantly. Because diabetes is associated with vessel damage? Well... The high sugar in an individual with diabetes over long periods of time can cause. I'm not sure if it's glycosylation, but that that oh high, yeah, glycosylated end products yeah, to, um, to the blood vessel wall damage blood yeah and can damage these larger vessels. But as probably well. also again feeding back to the lipid dynamics in your blood. And I also think glycosylated end products um, can act. I could be wrong. Can act like free radicals. Yep. So I think, I think that, that's what happens to you, the myelin sheaths. That's why you get diabetic neuropathies. Yeah, so I think that – and so just for everybody who's listening, if you don't know what a free radical is, it's generally a, a reactive oxygen species. Most things in the body have some amount of oxygen atoms 
within it, like carbohydrates do, fats do, proteins do. There's oxygen molecules or, or atoms within these. Hydrogen peroxide? Hydrogen peroxide is a reactive oxygen species. It's a product, yep. Um, and basically what these reactive oxygen species do is they don't have an electron. They've lost it and they're trying to find it and they try and steal it just from whatever there is around the body. Uh, and oh, therefore, okay, and it un- makes things unstable. That's right, yep, and so it damages things. So when we say react, uh, free radicals or reactive oxygen species, just think there are these things circulating the blood system um, or the body um, trying to steal stuff and, and damaging a whole bunch of different areas. So well, glycosylated end products that you were saying which can be produced from diabetics yeah. acts as one of these free radicals yeah. and – importantly, can play around with, like you're saying, the LDLs, which we'll talk about in a sec. Yep. A few other ones in terms of modifiable. You could use the term, I'm not sure what you'd refer here, Um, you could use the term hyperlipidemia, which just means high fat in blood or lipids in blood. Yeah, lipids in blood. But you could also use the term, which is probably more accurate, is dyslipidemia, which is disordered lipids in blood. Yeah. And that would generally mean uh, a low good fat, and a high bad fat. Are you going to define that? Um, <laughs> all I'll say, um, to be uh, consistent with the, most of the literature, is you'd probably say HDLs, yeah. high-density lipoproteins, would be traditionally considered a good fat. So that's a fat that would take um, fat off Stop saying vessels. Fat. Lipids. Lipids. Lipids off, and off, fats are different things. Off blood vessels. Yeah. And then the LDLs, the low-density lipoproteins, would take – will actually drop lipids off on their way of being transported. And, and the lipids here that we're referring to um, predominantly uh, include cholesterol, right? So cholesterol is one of the, the big factors here that we're referring to. And so you've got – when we say LDL and HDL – LDL refers to low-density lipoprotein and HDL refers to high-density lipoprotein. Basically, they're particles, these encapsulated-looking vesicles that hold lipids. So a range, it can hold triglycerides, which is a type of fat, so lipid, but also cholesterol as well. So sequesters them within this little bubble um, and it's got a, a protein, a, a, a lipid protein, protein called a, a apolipoprotein mm-hmm. um, that's wrapped around it and just shuttles it around the body. Mm-hmm. And like you were saying, if it's a low-density lipoprotein, it tends to drop things on the, lipids along off the way. along the way, like like um, Hansel and Gretel dropping their little breadcrumbs as they're mo- walking through the forest to find their way back. They drop off lipids. Um, and the HDLs, are collecting these lipids, picks them, up. picks them up, takes them to the liver to be metabolized. Um, so that's why Matt was saying that generally, if you have a high amount of LDLs floating through your bloodstream, you're more likely to drop these lipids off in your blood vessels, which can obviously be harmful. And if you've got high levels of HDLs, they're going to be picking these lipids up and taking them back to the liver. However, in saying that, Matt and I were just talking before this this podcast about studies that have come out saying that while our observational studies show that high levels of HDLs tend to seem to be protective in the body, the genetic analyses don't correspond and, and support this. And the question then is, well, why is this the case? And it seems to be the case that HDL levels are inversely correlated 
with triglyceride-rich lipoprotein levels. So if you've got high HDLs, mm. you're going to have low triglyceride-rich lipoproteins. Okay. Uh, and if you've got low HDLs, you're going to have high triglyceride-rich lipoproteins. And so therefore, they think that maybe it's not the fact that high HDL is protective, it's the fact that it correlates with low triglyceride and, and vice versa. Okay, and okay. so now what we might find being spit out in the literature is that one, we don't want high LDL levels because it's dropping off these lipids in the blood vessels and we also don't want high triglyceride-rich yeah. lipoproteins either. Okay. All right, so there's that. So that really, um, that really covers the main modifiable ones. All right. You could go into it. So you're a saying we can change diet, change smoking, um, we can probably reduce our risk of diabetes through both of those things. Yeah. Um, and hypertension most of the time can be managed either pharmacologically or through lifestyle. Yep, yep. Um, so we can modify those. So what would be a non-modifiable risk factor for atherosclerosis? Uh, genetics. Right, and can't change that, not yeah. yet. And I, I, well, CRISPR will, might be able to help you with that. Uh, yep, yep. So yep, that, yep, that, yep, 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 yep. I think he said Chris Bath, who's, who's like a news reader. Chris Bath. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering how she could help. <laughs> but it'd yeah. be great if she did CRISPR research. Yeah. Chris Bath doing CRISPR research, wonderful. Okay, so, um, so I, what I, are these? I, what are these? I actually fit into this category. Oh, please go on. So, um, my father. Um, yes. Hi, Dad. If you're listening. Um, he doesn't listen. He, <laughs> he, he doesn't care about anything you do. That's He's true. told me. <laughs> the letters he sent. Every week I get a letter from your dad. Just e- emails so. or written? Writ- handwritten. Wow. Handwritten. That's, that's and impressive. They're, and they're all just about how much he despises you as a human being. Or his son. He doesn't even acknowledge that point. <laughs> he still says that the uh, jury's out. Okay. Okay. So uh, my father had a, um, an ischemic event um, to his heart. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how long ago now. Maybe before it was definitely maybe a year before the pandemic so chest pain it wasn't so much chest pain i think it was more just breathless breathlessness yeah. on exertion yeah and so then it was investigated with an angiogram which is just um putting some dye in the blood and looking at the chest in an x-ray and the, the vessels blood, in the chest the vessels in his heart which the coronary vessels were seen to be blocked right um and how the, how occluded were they oh uh, i think probably in kind of 70% in some. Now, can I just highlight to the listeners, um, you can't see Matt, which is probably a good thing, uh, but he's lean, he's fit, he's healthy. Uh, he eats extremely well. His father is the same. Your dad's what, four, uh, 70? Yep. Okay. If you see Matt's dad, you'd go maybe 60, right? Fit looking, lean dude. No body silver, silver fox, they call him. He is a silver fox. There's no, there's no body fat on that man, and so, so all look, those, all if you look at him, you would not think he was at a high risk for a cardiovascular event. Is no. what I'm saying. Nor yeah. you, yeah. but he had one. Yeah. So what's going on? Um, so basically, um, all those modifier risk factors we spoke about. He, he smokes. He didn't have any. He drinks. So, so he didn't. His blood pressure is pretty good. Yeah. Maybe slightly. Above well, he's nine be. foot tall, so yeah. the heart's got to pump pretty hard to get that blood <laughs> up there. Lipids are good. Um, doesn't smoke. Uh, what are the other ones I mentioned? Doesn't diabetes have di- doesn't have diabetes. Okay. Um, so all those risks were low, but um, due to a genetic predisposition. Do you know uh, what it is? I don't know. Okay. 
but there was occlusion in the in some of the vessels which required a, a bypass just because they were in an awkward position they couldn't be stented yeah so then his cardiologist said to him oh check your kids this is probably a genetic form of atherosclerosis and the fact that you put this off to your 65 we usually see this in 40 year olds right so because he yeah. wasn't a smoker drinker no diabetes didn't have hypertension yeah. that he potentially could have had this in his 40s if he did those yes, that's right that's right, right. so if right. you had this predisposition that means you're bugging. and then and, <laughs> and then you had uh, all those monoploidable risk factors on top of and i'll yeah. talk about this in a second um then you're very high you have a very high likelihood of getting a uh probably an ischemic heart event. So what about you? Do you have this? Okay, so then um, I was told, maybe just go get this checked out. So I. Th- so what they do? They do a genetic analysis? No, that what they did was they did a, like a CT angiogram calcium score, which is kind of just looking at the heart, blood vessels, and then looking at... Hardening. Yeah, or just the way that um, the vasculature and how much kind of density within the walls of the vasculature yeah in the heart and i scored at like 95 percentile really which is very high within my age group wow and so i mean you're vegetarian you're mostly 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 vegetarian i eat fish you exercise Mm -hmm. you don't drink you don't smoke you don't have hypertension no no so and you still scored in the 95th percentile but it's then it's not you don't have what they term fatty streaks no, or so. fatty parts. Yeah, I don't know. You've exa- got calcified. Yeah. Well, I don't parts. know. It's just a calcium score. I don't know exactly right. how this is quantified. So, did you have occlusion? Do you have occlusion? I don't believe so. So okay. then I got referred onto a cardiologist who I see now every six months, and they do like functional tests, so like an ECG, uh, a stress ECG or a stress echo. Yep. And then a whole array of other things. Um, but and then I'm monostatin, which is just a blood lipid lowering agent which, which we'll, we'll talk about which we'll talk okay. about yeah all right so so genetics so you've got the non-modifiable risk yep. factor okay. but in a way you are slightly modifying it with your pharmacological intervention yeah yep any other non-modifiable is it just gen- genetics uh well i guess you could say positive family history which um, would be associated with genetics i, I think so and maybe congenital issues with blood vessels maybe possibly yeah um age Age. Right, can't modify yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. And then males. So the older you get, the more likely. And yeah, that's and right. Age just comes over time to allow this process to keep continuing. Right. And yeah. male, did and, you say? And male. So Interesting. Males. Do you know uh, why? Uh, well, you'd probably guesstimate that testosterone has a strong effect, uh, particularly with the lipid profiling. Right. Um, estrogen seems to be protective. Oh, okay. So pre- uh, menopause, women are pretty much zero risk really? of having atherosclerotic events. Not to say you will ha- that it doesn't happen, but yeah. it's very, very low. Yeah. Um, but as soon as menopause hits and post-menopause, women catch up to men quite rapidly. Oh, okay. And then, and then surprisingly, if women… So maybe it's not testosterone is… Uh, detrimental. Detrimental. It's just that estrogen is so protective. I think there is an effect with testosterone, but okay. Um, but interestingly, with um, postmenopausal women, if mm. they take estrogen replacement therapy, that actually becomes a negative. That's actually bad, 
it increases the risk. Estrogen is so strange like that though. It seems to be that there's a fine line with estrogen as a hormone level. Even when you just think about menstruation and and the the, the female reproductive cycle, how estrogen at low levels will result in inhibiting something from happening and then estrogen at high levels will promote something to happen, yeah. right? So it's sort of like it's got, oh, it inhibits it in this range but in this range it does the total opposite yeah. and it seems to be like that in many other different cases including, like yeah. you said, atherosclerosis. Yeah. So um, that, that's the main risk oh, associated with um, There was just really quickly just to highlight this risk profiling when, yeah. when you kind of compound each of these risk factors on top of each other. So this was oh, okay. This was done. I think this was the uh, this was a huge cardiovascular study, um, Framingham study. I think that's what it was. What it was caused? So this was published in Hypertension, almost in the end of the nineteen nineties. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So basically, it looked at what your ten year risk was of an ischemic heart event. Okay, by having these risk factors, right. so your percentage of risk over a ten year. Period. Okay. And you're adding them together? Yeah. So right. if you're 55 years of age and just being male, you've got a, about a 10% risk of having an ischemic heart event right. at 55, whereas females were about 6%. Yep. Now, if you add hypertension on top of that, males jump up to 15%. Okay. Women jump to 10%. If you jump, add cholesterol to that, so you have a high cholesterol diet. High, high cholesterol, not diet, but just high cholesterol levels in your blood. Okay. Um, not huge amount, 16%, 11%. Male, female, respectively. Yeah. But then if you have a drop in HDL, so oh. now you have a low HDL number. Yeah. It goes up quite a bit. So now males are at th- almost 30%. Wow. And females, it 17%. Doubles, doubles yep. your relative risk. Then if you add diabetes on top of that, they're both almost the same now at 30% wow. each. Almost there. Add, <laughs> add smoke into it now and you've – Put it almost at forty percent. Yeah, for both, and then finally, add being a button, <laughs> and it's about ninety nine percent risk. You add left ventricular hypertrophy. All right. So this is just this to me. The way I read this is assuming heart that failure. That, maybe not heart failure, but you, that maybe the heart has grown um, in response to probably hypertension, hypertension over years, right. which would mean if you've got a hypertrophic heart, it's mm. it's a lot more. Um, Oxygen hungry, yeah, and so then it's more likely to more sensitive to to coronary artery size so changes. Add all those things before, and then add a left ventricular hypertrophy to it, and you're at sixty percent risk. Damn, so okay. you've got two thirds lifetime risk no, in the t- in a ten year. Period. Oh, in the ten year period, yeah, yeah. jeez, all right, and that's a fifty five. Okay, so these are all modifiable, based yes, all apart from things, being being all, male and and being fifty five years of age. But yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. gotcha. Okay, cool. And that would be well, the, not cool. That's a bit frightening. And, but and that would be the risk uh, of development. Pretty much when we say ischemic heart event, that's probably moving to a, an MI, a myocardial infarction, heart attack. Yeah, which oh. would be the big risk group, right mm. around the fifty-year-olds. Yeah, true. All right, are we on to the pathogenesis now of how this occurs? Yeah, yeah. So this is the process of how you go from a normal-looking vessel, yep. an artery, to one that's really clogged up. And I think it's important for us to say that while we move through, we'll try our best to do it sequentially or in some order, but a lot of these things actually happen simultaneously. Um, so we're going to talk about a lot of this. The, the scene has to be set that there's a lot of things happening, such as systemic inflammation, 
um, blood pressure changes, um, a change in vascular integrity, um, an increase in LDLs floating through the bloodstream. All these things sort of have to culminate and happen together really mm. in order for this to occur. But let's begin. We're in a blood vessel. We're in one of the larger... Artery. Let's just say we're in the aorta maybe? Um, Do I say coronary? Go to the coronary. Okay. Because that's the, the one that we usually use as a good example. So we're in a coronary artery. Let's say we're in a 55-year-old male okay. and they have hypertension and they've got this high-flow blood moving through these arteries, including the coronary. And the coronary predominantly is a nice straight artery, but there has some bifurcations and a bit of you know, twists and turns associated with it. And so if you think about what we said earlier, as this blood is moving through at a high pace, because this person has hypertension, there's a lot of force on the walls of these arteries, first of all. And you can think of a hose that you have at home. If you've got two hoses and you turn one on the tap quite, you know, halfway, and you turn one on all the way, and you just left it for years and years and years, the one that's going to be under the higher pressure is going to have greater damage to the hose over time. So similar here, but also you need to take into consideration the blood as it's moving through um, the the twists and turns and bifurcations where it splits off and you're going to have pressure changes. And like I said earlier, the area that has a low shear force, that's where turbulence occurs. That's where the, the blood starts to accumulate for longer periods of time because it's turbulent. It starts to spin around in those areas. And the endothelia that lines the inside of the blood vessel goes from being nice, smooth blood vessel uh, uh, endothelia to more of a cobblestoned effect. So now we've started to get some sort of vascular change, some sort of endothelial integrity change. Now, if you compound this with inflammation which can happen from this, but also can happen from smoking, can happen from the hypertension if it damages the vessel, uh, and can happen if you've got too much LDL floating through the system as well. All these things can result in an inflammatory event happening here at the vessel too. Simultaneously, if somebody's got high levels of LDLs, they're carrying all this cholesterol and lipids through the bloodstream. And if you've now got an area that's turbulent, the LDL can stay in this area for a slightly longer period of time than it normally would with laminar flow, which is straight flow, and it stays here for a little bit and is more likely to then be taken in by these endothelial cells or engulfed by these endothelial cells and taken from the lumen or the hollow inside of the vessel to the intima, which is that first layer. Anything you want to add at this point here, man? Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. 
To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Anything I've missed so far at this point? So should, should we put these in kind of phases, do you think, in terms of if, we were, if you were a student or you were someone that just wanted to, to understand how the process manifests over time, should we kind of try to categorise how different things can fit into different... We can try. I mean, everything I did just say is basically happening simultaneously. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, because it, for simplicity's sake, sure. Because historically, the way they've kind of looked at atherosclerosis in terms of a process, um, the first kind of phase, stage, whatever you want to call it, is something they refer to as like an endothelial injury. Yep. Okay, so which, which is a kind of a some kind of disturbance to that endothelium. Mm. And then you could move to an endothelial dysfunction, which it's now not working the way it should. And then it kind of goes into a, a fatty streak stage. Are you okay with that kind of? Yeah. Yeah. yeah? yeah. And then we kind of move. We're going to go into more detail yeah, yeah, on yeah. each of this. That's just outlining the yeah. stages. And then we kind of move into a more of a complicated lesion. So this is where it's allowed to happen for many, many years probably decades, yeah, and it's really consolidated a lot of uh, lipids yep. um, and other things, yep. which, which then leads to kind of the complications mm. of this. I guess why I'm saying this is when we look at, say, even the fatty, fatty streak stage, this is present even in infants. Yeah, yeah, okay? yeah. So we shouldn't just think, oh, this process – of atherosclerosis only happens in these individuals, which we just spoke about in the risk factors. Mm. This is a long, uh, chronic inflammatory disease. Yes. So the more time that you give this inflammatory process and kind of uh, aggravate it more and more, mm. it's allowing it to worsen and worsen. But it's absolutely. But to say if you're this kind of healthy individual that you won't have any, well. All of us will have a degree, degrees of atherosclerosis in mm. all our blood vessels. Even, like I said, one-year-old would have early stages of fatty streaks. Yeah. So, do you know what I mean? So yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It's still, it's still going to happen regardless. Absolutely. Because it's an aging process. But, Absolutely. But um, if you just compound those modifiable things on top of it, then it's really going to worsen and worsen quicker. Great point. Yeah. Great point. So, I think a couple of things need to sort of culminate together in order for all this to happen you need to have some sort of vas- uh, some sort of endothelial integrity change yep. you need to have inflammation yep. you need to have some sort of blood flow dysfunction in that area you need to have high levels of low density lipoproteins and then the last thing which i hadn't mentioned before was you need there needs to be a change in the oxidative profile so um, more oxidative stresses and less antioxidants. So probably the most important um, antioxidant in that area is nitric oxide. Mm. And nitric oxide is a vasodilator. Yep. So it's actually seen as being anti-atherosclerotic um, or protective against it, nitric oxide, because it dilates blood vessels and reduces the likelihood of um, clots and, and, and blood slowing in that area and so forth. Interestingly, people, areas of atherosclerosis tend to have low levels of nitric oxide. They're not sure why, but one of the reasons they think this is the case, and it's actually one of the early biomarkers is nitric oxide levels, right? They think it's because, not that this person doesn't produce enough nitric oxide, but the nitric oxide that they have produced 
have now been used as an antioxidant and has been changed to its next state after it's been oxidized, okay, okay. right? Yep. Um, or after it has after it has altered the um, free radical that's that's in that particular area. So these things are all happening right now. Yeah. The integrity change of the endothelium is really important and the high levels of LDLs. So once these LDLs have accumulated in this particular area, they get taken in by these endothelial cells. So it can happen through a number of different ways, one of which is transcytosis in which it just basically binds with a receptor, could calveolin or calveole, and it pulls it in to the endothelial cell and takes it to the intima, that that first particular layer of the of the uh, blood vessel. Now, this LDL particle needs to become oxidized. And so it becomes oxidized by the free radicals that have been generated, one, by the dysfunctional endothelial cell, mm-hmm. two, by the fact that it's there's an inflammatory state in this area. And so these things together uh, have oxidized this particle. Yep, yep, yep. Now, at the same time, because you've got inflammation in this area, inflammation always or generally calls upon white blood cells Because it goes, there's a problem here, let's fight it off. So they send chemicals out. They do. Which brings in white blood cells. Yeah, so the the endothelia, so just quickly, the endothelia that are now dysfunctional or, or, yeah, well, dysfunctional, dysfunctional. uh, uh, have receptors on them called VCAM1 receptors. And they are what the monocytes, which I think you were going to say. They're like hooks. Yeah, they hook onto the monocytes. They grab them as they fly past and bring them in. And that's it. And so now you've got the LDLs that are oxidized in the intima that have been pulled in. You've now got monocytes that have been pulled into the area. What do the monocytes do to these oxidized LDLs? Well, as we know, when monocytes move out of blood yep. into tissue, they become macrophages. And what are macrophages? Oh, they're just big eaters. Like you. So they just can come and swallow, I guess, the LDLs. Is that right? That's right. They gobble them up um, and basically break it down and release the cholesterol that's present in, inside. And so now you've got these macrophages filled with cholesterol yeah. and they form something called a foam cell. And that's the appearance that, that would look like down the microscope. If foamy. Foamy, like bubbly yes. appearance. And, the, and this would then, this point now would start to constitute the fatty streak stage. Now to add to this, recent evidence shows that, now what did I say? You've got the intima, which has the endothelia and then the media, what, what sort smooth, of? Smooth muscle. Smooth muscle. So for some reason, some of the smooth muscle cells, termed vascular smooth muscle cells, they tend to migrate migrate from the media to the intima mm. and gobble up some of these LD, oxidized LDLs as well and also contribute to foam cells. Mm. So now you've got both macrophages coming from monocytes from the blood and vascular smooth muscle cells coming from the media coming in, creating all these foam cells. And when they both do this, they both continue to release more chemicals from undergoing their process that calls upon more macrophages and calls upon more smooth muscle cells. And then you start to accumulate and accumulate and accumulate all of these cholesterol-dense products. This process we're talking about now is the point where if you're allowing this to manifest over decades, yes. this is where you're going to get all the complications. Yep. So if this is happening... Um, let's say you're a 30-year-old and this is happening, uh, by, by and large you're not going to experience any complications of this. You won't even know it's happening mm. and you're just going to be going on with your everyday life and not know anything of it. It's only going to be problematic when either 
70% of the blood vessel is starting to be blocked off because yep. it's so bulgy that it's stopping blood to get past. So these these um, macrophages and smooth muscle yep. cells that are accumulating all this and cholesterol growing, from the elders get bigger and bigger and bigger. bigger. Yeah. And when it does like that, a, it like bulges big, out. Like a big blister. Right. Bul- yeah. And it bulges into the lumen, the hollow inside of the blood Correct. vessel. All right. Yep. And what do you say? If it if it starts to block it off, which we call occlude, yep. that leads to ischemia down, down, downstream. Downstream. That's right. right. And so- Depends. So what if this happened at the heart, at a coronary? Well, well, that's when you're going to start to develop the umbre- umbrella term ischemic heart disease. And what if it happens at the brain? Well, that would then lead to, well, it would lead to cere- cerebrovascular accident, which could be transient, depending on what may come off it sometimes, which we're going to explain yep. a bit later. We could develop a clot that also runs parallel to it. Or but if it impedes so much, on it. but if it impedes so much in the vessel of the brain, you probably more it. like you probably more likely this looking is, for the word stroke, Matt. Yeah, well, um, stroke can be broken into two categories. Usually. I know, but I was going to move on to the next category that also fit think, within a stroke. I, I think the main issue, if you were just having a huge reduction in um, blood flow to an area of the brain, you're probably more likely to, to develop something like a vascular dementia like yeah. outcome. Cognitive issues and yeah, so forth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oppos- yep. So it's going to be this chronic manifestation. All right, next point because <laughs> I was trying to make this nice and quick. And what if this occlusion happens in your peripheral blood vessels? Yeah, I mean the, the umbrella term there is peripheral vascular disease but, but to be technical here it's going to be peripheral arterial disease. So that's if it bulges out and starts to occlude the vessel. What if it bursts through the vessel because it's thinned out that endothelia so much. What if it bursts through and presents itself to the hollow inside of the can blood I, vessel? Can, I, can we just further this process a little bit more because to do this, we have to explain that one more step. Uh, absolutely. Okay, so we've, we're kind of at, at this point in time, you've explained to the fatty streak stage where we've got yes we've got macrophages coming in smooth muscle coming in they're engulfing all these ldls they're oxidized they're growing they're bubbling it's getting bigger bubbling and, it's getting bigger and bigger and bigger okay now um in in because this is inflammation and it's inflammation over many can years. i just quickly define inflammation yeah. is any damage to vascularized tissue okay and so this is this perfect, is interesting because right? it is a vascular exactly so <laughs> it's damaged to vascularized <laughs> tissue. And so inflammation will be happening in this area yeah. and inflammation, inflammation always results in, what are the cardinal signs? Redness, heat, um, swelling, pain, yeah. loss of function. That's right. And so but, these but, but this one, unlike acute inflammation, which mm. kind of is transient, comes and goes or disappears after two weeks. Once it's is, resolved. This is chronic. Yeah, okay? yeah, yeah. So this has gone for decades. So as we know with chronic inflammation, when – when inflammation doesn't resolve, the body tries to say, hey, we've still got a problem here. Mm. We need to somehow figure out and get rid of this injurious agent. Mm. What I'll do is I'm going to lay down other tissue to try and resolve the issue. So yeah. if you, let's say you have a... Wall it off. It just goes, well, off, I can't get right. rid of it. I might yeah. as well just build a wall around it. Perfect. That's, you know? a, that's Basically a great, great the, analogy. So chronic inflammation is like Donald Trump. He just says, let's build a wall. That's right. Forget and, the problems and we'll close it off to the self to the world. Exactly. So what, what's going to be walled off here? Well, you want to wall off all that fat. And so two probably main uh, cell types here is going to be the smooth muscle, but also they bring in fibroblasts and fibroblasts lay down collagen. So fibroblasts like uh, stem cells for skin? Um, for connective tissue. Okay. 
And so it comes it comes in from wherever it comes in. Um, I'm not it's sure. all over the place. <laughs> I, I'm guessing it's probably in the intima anyway. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's brought in and it lays this big overlying layer over the top of the fat. Like of connective tissue. Of connective tissue, collagen. So it right. lays the collagen over the top. And this moves us to the last kind of... So this is where at the very beginning you said athero- you defined atherosclerosis as being the accumulation of... Fibro fatty. All right. So this now you're fibro. talking about the fibro part. Yeah, okay, yeah. cool. So, so this is a cap? Is this, this is a cap, yeah. Right. So it puts a big hard cap on the top of it. And is this cap, This is the cap is presenting to the lumen, luminal side? Yeah, but there's still endothelium on top of this cap. So, so the cap of, is on the foam cells, yeah. but under the endothelium. Yeah, that's but right. sort of pushing through yeah. the endothelium. It's trying to bulge its way out. Yeah, that's right. So does this thin out the endothelia? No, I don't think so. Okay. Um, it just lays down this collagen. So it can be... Thicker or thinner, depending on, I don't know, there's probably a whole lot of variables here. But And does the thick or thin... I think, I think a thicker cap will be better because it will be more stable plaque. And that's a, an actual term, stable plaque? Yep, yep. And that right. can go into something we call stable angina, which we'll, we can talk about. So um, just quickly, a stable plaque means it's not going to burst. Rush, yep. And so that's good? That's good, yep. Okay. Com- comparatively. Yeah. Yeah. And so it, it caps it off, seals it off, and now it's protected some to some degree with this collagen smooth muscle uh, capping. Okay? And this would be now what we consider a more of a complicated lesion. Right. Okay? An end stage but, sort of... But at the same... But whilst this is still happening, all that fat um, stuff that's Lipid. with the, with the, yeah. uh, the foam cells... Yeah. Can be still growing and growing. Right. Okay. It's not like that stops. Gotcha. This is still happening. So, so it continues just, to bulge into the lumen. This seals it off. Yep. Okay. And so now you've got a protective top on it. So, what is the outcome of this process that we've just gone through? Well, it really depends on the size of the plaque. So how much of the vessel is occluded? Okay. The size of the vessel that it's affected. So mm-hmm. if it's a big, let's say it's the left anterior descending artery right. on which your, feeds your left ventricle. Yeah, if that's right at the top of it, yeah. that means almost Nothing. all your left ventricle is not getting much blood anymore, right. which is going to be very problematic. Yes. Opposed if it was right at the distal end. Okay. It would be less problematic. Yep. And then whether – and then the stability of the plaque. Right. Okay, and that's the capping. Okay. Okay. And so this now leads to your question when you said if you take the top off. Yes. So if okay. that cap bursts or ruptures – you're now exposing all the underlying tissue yeah. and connective tissue so this and so is, forth. So this is where we go. So can we stay in the context of the ischemic heart? When you because we, we, we did this at the start with the uh, uh, the 55 year old in the the coronary, right? Yes. Yeah. So did I say coronary before, or did I yeah, say you carotid? Said, you said coronary. Okay. Good. Okay. Okay. So we're in the, we're in the coronary vessel yep. of this 55 year old, and we're at a, a complicated lesion point. All right. Okay. So this is a stable plaque. Right. Okay, and let's say 70% of that blood vessel is occluded. Yeah. So only 30% of blood can get past it. So are we talking about your dad now? Oh, we can. Was his in the lad? Uh, parts of it, I think. So the I lad think, is I left think, anterior descending, yeah. also known as the left interventricular. But, but a bit, probably a bit further down. So this is all well and good if you're sitting at the chair like we are or watching TV where yeah. you're not really exerting yourself. Yeah, your heart's um, demand for oxygen yeah, and nutrients is so not your, great. your body doesn't need a huge amount, so your heart isn't working hard to pump blood to the body. But as soon as you start exerting yourself, like say my dad did, yes, um, 
your heart, your, your body needs more oxygen because it's working harder. So that means your heart has to pump more forcefully. Mm-hmm. That means it's working harder. That means it needs more blood itself. Yes. Okay. But there's only so much blood that can get past that 70% occlusion. Yes, which so, is 30%. 30%. So downstream to that plaque- It's it, hungry. It's hungry. It's running the out muscle of- muscle tissue's it's going, running, it's I'm bloody run, hungry. Get me some oxygen. It's get me running some out of oxygen. So I don't want to get it caught up in the, the minutiae of- um, what leads to this pain. Yes. But basically we can just say downstream to the occlusion, it's starting to run out of oxygen. Yep. That means it goes into an anaerobic respiration. Yeah, which the heart doesn't like doing. The heart like doing. only wants to do aerobic respiration yeah. with and, oxygen. And as a result, lactate. Various metabolites yeah, yeah, are built yeah. up. Are, are released. Yep. And that sensitizes pain receptors in the yep. heart and that causes chest pain. Right. And you go, ah. And that's chest angina. Pain, that's angina. If- if it's only angina, if it disappears, well, that's stable angina. Okay, angina is just angina just basically means chest pain in the definition of angina. The term yes. angina just means yes. chest pain. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, yes. Yeah, but as far as I, I and 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 I will agree with you there. But so, so unstable well, angina. Well, let's just let's just stick with all right, all right, um, all right. stable plaque at this okay, point. Okay, okay, okay. So it's stable. Yeah. Okay. So yep. the person goes, oh, chest pain. I'll stop what I'm doing. Stop what they're doing, that the exertion goes away, the demand goes away, the pain goes away. Yep. That's a stable plaque that means it's a predictable type of pain. Comes on with exertion, goes away with rest. Mm-hmm. Okay? That's all well and good. Happy so with far, yeah, I'm okay. happy with it. All right. Now, let's just say we go into a more of a complicated, uh, a, a more of a, Unstable. a, a change man, in a manif- manifestation in this plaque now. Right. So I'll just add another... Uh, variable to it. Let's say the person um, does some kind of activity where they really shoot their blood pressure yep. quickly, which shoots- they Start to do burpees. Okay. Which shoots blood past that plaque. Yep. And it's really a, a high shear force. Yep. And it nicks the top off the endothelium. That cap. That cap. All right, cap's okay. gone. It's so exposed. It's exposed. Yep. And what it exposes to the blood is collagen. All right. Now, collagen is very- What's the word? Thrombogenic. Yep. Yeah. When it's because it's extremely cl- negatively charged. Cl- clot, clot-liking. Yes, that's okay. very good. But because um, as far as the blood's concerned, mm. this is like you've got a hole in the you got a hole in your blood vessel. Mm. So it thinks, crap, there's collagen Let's here. Seal this up. And so who comes along? Platelets. Right. Platelets come ar- come along and go. Hey guys, there's collagen here. Let's oh, hang, very casual. Let's hang out here for a while and okay. hold and hold hands. Right. So they start holding and friendly. Hand. <laughs> they start hanging out, holding hands. Now this is platelet aggregation, yep. and this is going to start to build up. So now we have a plaque mm-hmm. superimposed with a clot forming. Right now, in a fairly low form, this could now move into something called unstable angina. Yeah. Okay, which is now an unpredictable chest pain. It doesn't necessarily go away with rest. It doesn't necessarily come on with exertion. It's, yes. It's more unpredictable. Yes. And this leads us into what we call acute coronary syndrome, which then also goes into the MIs or the myocardial infarctions. Now, if the thrombus becomes bigger and bigger and bigger, it's now going to include more and more of the blood vessel. Mm-hmm. So if it includes, includes the whole, pretty much the whole lot there, that's going to stop all blood. Yep. Or if it breaks off and then moves downstream, that's going to occlude something down further. Yeah. And so once we completely occlude blood, getting past a portion of the blood vessel, we now move away from 
what we call the anginas, yep. into the infarctions. That's right. Which means we yeah. go away from ischemia into infarctions, which means now there's going to be necrosis. Yeah, you go away from, look, there's not enough oxygen, but there's some, yeah. to there's absolutely no oxygen. And if this doesn't, continues, doesn't resolve. Yep. your tissue's dying yep. and that's a heart attack. So all of, we did this in the coronary vessel, mm-hmm. okay, but we could do that in the carotid vessel. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But that then will result which is in the neck. Yep. Which then, let's say, a bit of that breaks off. So does this result in a heart attack? No. It's going to end up in the strokes because it's blocking a vessel of the cerebral vessel yep, right. of the brain. Yep. So, so a stroke is a heart attack of the brain. Correct. And yep. and a heart attack is a stroke of the heart. Yeah, I don't think you should go. Okay, fair enough. Uh, and so this, but uh, but this can happen really to any. Yeah. Vessel of the body. Yeah. I mean, I should say uh, anywhere that there is these large to medium size yeah. arteries, yep. I should say, yep. obviously feeding tissues. And yep. again, it can peripheral vascular disease that can occur and you can see that the tissue changes colour. The Yeah, so if you go peripheral, peripheral arterial, so that's mm-hmm. now in the legs, mm-hmm. okay, usually the first sign is just like we saw in the stable angina. What was the issue there? Bit of pain. Yeah, pain. So when the person is walking, yeah. they get this intermittent pain mm. when they're exerting themselves. Yeah. Now, so they get this calf pain, which is called calf pain. Calf. Oh yeah. So claudication, they call it. So yeah. p- pain that's brought on with exercise, but then they stop and it goes away. Mm. But then that continues to get worse and worse and worse, and then they may just get it at rest. Right. Okay. But because you're not getting good arterial blood into your leg, um, they're going to have diminished pulses. They get, their legs going to go pale, yep. cold. They're going to have a poorer blood pressure. So if you did a blood pressure around their calf and then you compared it to around their arm and you, comp- you did the two together, if let's say your leg was 100 millimetres of mercury and your arm was 120, mm. that's 80%, is that 80%? Yep. 80%, which is telling you you've got some inclusions down in your leg. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And that's, and that's peripheral arterial disease. So Brilliant. really the complications of atherosclerosis depends where in the body it is. So if it's heart, it's going to be ischemic heart disease. If it's up in carotids and beyond, Cerebral it's going vascular. to be – If it's down in your legs, usually peripheral it's – Peripheral vascular. Yeah, yeah. So what you're saying is that there are significantly um, vast, broad diseases and disorders that can result from atherosclerosis. Yeah. And then – If it continues to progress. There was – one small one I forgot. Oh, here we go. Is um, within that complication when you spoke about the migration of the smooth muscle, mm-hmm. at the same time, because this is a growing bit of tissue, it needs its own blood vessels. So right. Blood vessels will grow into Angiogenesis. the plaque. Angiogenesis. Yeah, will grow into the plaque. Wow, I okay? didn't know that. And while this is happening, it in some blood vessels, it starts to weaken the actual wall of the blood vessel. And it wow. can start pouching out and this is what we call an aneurysm right and then it can really weaken and to the point it will blow out the side of the wall it's and so this berry aneurysm i think berry is just the type it's like there's different types of mm. categorizing the appearance of it mm. but if it blows the side of the wall out that's actually now a rupture wow and that a common one is the abdominal aorta which they will then call a triple a abdominal Aortic aneurysm. aneurysm. And that's in a medical emergency because that's a big blood vessel. You know, yeah, you don't big, want that to burst. Bigger than your thumb. Yes. And if that breaks, that's a lot of blood you're losing very quickly. Very true. Um, so that is the not just pathogenesis but pathophysiology of atherosclerosis. 
Are we now moving on to management treatment? Yeah, and it and really it just comes to addressing the risk factors. Yeah, so you want to change – one, you don't want there to be chronic inflammation. That's the first thing. So trying to mitigate inflammatory events, whatever they may be, and so that may be caused by lifestyle, smoking, diet, whatever it may be. Um, hypertension, which can be mitigated, one, exercise, two, pharmacologically. Weight loss. Weight loss, absolutely. Um, diabetes, mitigating that and so forth. But let's just say, uh, obviously, uh, high levels of LDLs, which could pre- possibly come from uh, dietary issues. So uh, ingestion of too much animal fat, uh, triglyceride, high triglycerides, high cholesterol diets. Um, but let's just now say, so obviously that, that, that's common sense, right? Mitigating those modifiable risks. What if somebody like yourself, because you, you alluded to statins earlier, right? Yeah, so yeah. what if somebody, you know, presents at their cardiologist and they go, look, your, your LDLs are too high. Mm. You've already got some degree of deposition in the artery. Mm. I'm going to give you X drug or drugs. What are these drugs and what do they do? Well, um, you spoke about... If, you, if you're specifically focusing or asking the question on lipids, is that what you're asking? Or just generally? Generally, ac- you've, you've got the signs of atherosclerosis that we want to try and halt. Yeah. You are doing all those modifiable risk factors, but your LDLs remain high and you continue to build up plaques. Yeah, I think the gold standard drug to, to help with lipid, blood lipid levels would be the statin drugs. Right. And, that, and that's really just a drug that helps to modify the way an enzyme works in the liver that processes these lipids within your blood. And so the statin I'm on is rosuvastatin. That's a a low dose. And that is just to hopefully look at – so when we look at total cholesterol, which is a combination of HDL and LDL, to get to a a level of around three. And free cholesterol? Uh, Not so much. Maybe the triglycerides – um, yep. But the cholesterol is not really looked at as free cholesterol. Okay. Okay. So my cardiologist would just be looking at that total, um, the total cholesterol level, which is just that HDL and LDL together. Let me jump in here. We did an entire podcast on dietary lipids yeah. and lipid profiles and so forth with Dr. Kevin Klatt, who is a nutritionist, dietitian, um, uh, academic, res- medical researcher. So – if you want the deep dive on all that, listen to that episode. I think it's just called Dietary Lipids. Um, he's far more knowledgeable than us. Oh, this yeah. is way it's, outside it's, of this our… This whole research area. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it is beyond us. But, but, uh, but especially then, Matt, he's a moron. But <laughs> So you're taking statins, which changes your lipid profile by playing around with some of the enzymes that metabolise these… In your, in your liver, yeah, in that's liver, right. Yeah. But then I guess if you've got an established plaque, mm. let's say heart, but even the, the carotids, you may want to prevent that uh, that process that we spoke about worsening. And so you really don't want to have a thrombogenic effect, event, should I say. Yeah. So probably if you are now moving to a higher risk category of a potential cardiovascular event, whether it's a heart or a, a cerebrovascular, then you'd be given something that would prevent those platelets aggregating and one of them would be an aspirin. Right. So low dose aspirin. Yeah. So aspirin then would be considered something that would be um, 
reducing your risk of a po- possible more serious outcome of atherosclerosis. Which seems to be an extremely effective uh, way, uh, intervention for people at risk of cardiovascular disease yeah. is just daily low-dose aspirin. Yeah, yeah. So if you have a high cardiovascular risk, then it seems to be a very good drug for that. I think I said on a previous podcast, I don't know if it's worth addressing or not, but I think that um, obviously people who are on low-dose aspirin daily for to mitigate these cardiovascular events, um, I think I made the statement in an episode that sometimes they're told by their surgeons prior to operations to stop the low-dose aspirin, but I was contacted by a surgeon who said, no, we don't yeah, tell them to do that. Um, so there you go. And yeah. the reason why is because obviously bleeding out, yeah. possible yeah. bleeding. But he said, no, not, it's not, not the case, Michael. You, you moron. Shut your mouth. Don't ever say it again. Wow. Uh, and I said, all right, Dad, that's <laughs> fair enough. My dad's not a surgeon, by the way. It was it, it was uh, someone else. Um, um, uh, what was I going to say? Oh, so let's, let's just say you were that individual that had that kind of stable angina kind mm. of thing. They may give uh, kind of – Medication to prevent the chest pain or the angina. So can so, I just guess here? Yeah. Nitric oxide? Yeah. Because that dilates blood vessels. And I said earlier that it is anti-atherosclerotic in a way or anti-thrombotic, you could possibly say, um, that nitric oxide helps to relax the blood vessels. Um, it's an antioxidant, mitigates some of these effects. So nitric oxide as a – what is it? it it's uh, under the tongue. Yeah. So it's um – as I always trinitrile, trinitroglycerate, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, under the tongue, GTN, GTN, that's right, glycyl trinitrate, yeah, glycyl trinitrate, yeah. Look, we're not, yeah. So a spray or a, a tablet with the, with the words, Matt. Um, and then I guess if you had other, a more complicated aspects to your heart, like mm. we spoke about the on oh, myocardial changes, yeah, yeah, then they may look at certain medications that may make your heart more efficient. Digoxin. With less um, effort. Maybe not digoxin, I think that's more failure, but some maybe the beta blockers, which kind right. of slow your heart down, so it means less exertion, but you can get maybe a more force, more efficient beat. Right, okay. On each beat. Cool. So it leads, essentially needs less oxygen, and that probably also has an effect with blood pressure as well. Mate, is that it? That's it. Well... Everyone, I hope you enjoyed our whirlwind tour of atherosclerosis. That's a bit of a deep dive. It was good. Deep was dive good. into that gruel. To your heart. Into that gruelly bowl of porridge that you have <laughs> sitting in your coronaries. Um, I'm Dr. Mike Todorovic. This is Dr. Matthew Barton. We can be accessed. Through- I didn't say we could be heroes. Well, we could be heroes. We've... Yeah, that would be nice. Even for one day. Yeah, I hope so. (laughs) Um, So we can be accessed through our multiple social media platforms. Well, at least I can. Matt doesn't like social media. You've got Twitter. You do have Twitter, but don't worry about that. So you can contact both Matt and I on Twitter. Uh, I'm at Dr. Mike Todorovic, D-R-M-I-K-E-T-O-D-O-R-O-V-I-C. Yeah, real long name. And Matt can be accessed on Twitter at Dr. Bartox, D-R-B-A-R-T-O-X. You can also find me on Instagram at the same handle, Facebook, TikTok, all of that stuff. Um, But I really, really appreciate if you could give us a five-star rating, recommend us to your friends, subscribe to this podcast if you haven't, and also subscribe to our YouTube channel, Dr. Matt and Dr. Mike. Go on YouTube, type that in, subscribe, watch our videos, give us a thumbs up, say you guys are the best, uh, and help us continue to do what we do for free for you forever. Bye.
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365 day returns.